Welcome to the Liberal Europe podcast, the European Liberal Forum project. I'm your host, Ricardo Silvestre. And after a very, very complicated 2020, we decided to finish the year with a special episode, which is going to be the Elf Secretariat Christmas Party. For that, I invited Daniel Kadek, which is the Executive Director of Elf Secretariat, Anastasia Pravedna, the Strategy and Membership Manager, and Elena Baltazzi, which is the Communication Manager. We're going to go over the top moment of the year and the biggest challenge of the year for the ELF, the moment that made you go nuts, either in political or social life during the pandemic. And then I'm going to ask them, how was it to work in an empty Brussels when you're part of an organization that it's all about networking and events? And then we're going to end up the podcast with our Christmas wishes for 2021. So with no further ado, let's get to the Christmas party. Thank you so much for coming to the podcast. Thanks for having us again. It's absolutely a pleasure. Hello to all the listeners. All right. And we're going to go into immediately. And if even if Daniel is the boss of us, I'm going to start with our lovely, lovely ladies. And I'm going to start with this, what I think of as my older sister in the elf family, which is Anastasia even if I'm way older than she is. Tell us the top moment of this 2020. <laughs> That's a, always a good thing eh, to think about the top moments rather than starting with challenges. Um, I think for, for me, actually, the top moment was uh, quite recent and maybe has to do more with, um, you know, thinking about the end of the year and actually what we achieved, what I personally achieved, what we achieved as ELF. And as a think tank, I think my top moment was last week um, when I received um, five contributions from five different liberal successful MEPs. And I thought like, hmm, that's really, let's say in last few years, the standing of ELF quite improved because I would not imagine we have achieved that previously. And also thinking back to the year when we had um, our partners coming to us who want to do things with us together, I thought that was the top moment. Despite the difficult situation, despite the pandemic, there is a lot of things we should and can be proud of. Indeed. And now move on to our Mediterranean representative from Greece. Elena, for you, what was the top moment of the year? For me, as a communicator um, in in politics, sometimes life can be a bit discouraging. I think many people can can relate to that. There is a lot of noise, and, and not always messages get across as they should. So I would say there have been moments where the new cycle has been very very irritating. Uh, liberal values being put to test, uh, looking everywhere from Belarus to Poland to all sorts of moments. And I must say that uh, being at TLF and being able to convert this social um, uh, ranting into actual work and, and being able to access uh, people and tools and, and, and create messages 
um, made gave me a lot of strength and courage. So yeah, pretty much um, converting that 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 frustration into something creative and to messages people can benefit from is the fuel that I, I live on. Excellent. And now we move on to the soothing but booming voice of the executive director of European Forum, our own Daniel Kedek. And Daniel, has everyone ever told you that you could easily replace Santa Claus regarding like podcasting? If Santa Claus starts a podcast, you can easily do his voice. What do you think about that? Well, thanks to lockdown, I can also replace him in terms of gut size and in terms of beard. Um, but um, let's not go there. I prefer to stay at Elf and provide people around Europe with liberal ideas and uh, bestow the gift of liberal ideas upon them. I think you were would be going to do the same question. I've been, been actually thinking very hard about that. And I have, like always, a hard time making up my mind. Um, um, but I have to say there are two things that really stand out. And one, given the COVID year, was our hybrid General Assembly, where we had in Italy, just before the, the second wave hit, um, a, a meeting of our member organization, where we actually could come together after being confined to our own premises for, for so long. And having that, me actually meeting people, that is, was really the highlight of the year for me might sound in, in, in retrospective um, over all the years um, might something uh, minor but actually meeting people talking to people sitting together with people even though with a certain distance and having dinner that was amazing um, and it makes you appreciate a lot but also I would like to highlight something that Anastasia was pointing to and that is what we have achieved despite everything that was going on and we just look at the number of events and publications. 2020 is the year where we had the most events uh, over the last years, most of them online, but we still, we were not twiddling our thumbs. We actually get, went out and did something. So this is my absolute highlight um, for 2020. I'm trying to actually challenge Daniel to do a low carb podcast on the European Liberal Forum umbrella. So. Look out for that. And now going into the biggest challenge of the year, I'm gonna stay with you, Dad. Daniel, because you were saying exactly because of the pandemic, how complicated was it? Uh, tell us a little bit about that as an executive director of a political foundation. How was to deal with this very typical year? Difficult, uh, but, but um, to, to be more, a little bit more expressive uh, around that, I mean, just before we were going to lockdown, um, Anastasia and a couple of other colleagues and I were in Madrid um, um, and having a panel um, at, a, at a big conference that was called Is it Naive to be an Optimist? And um, we were talking about how the world has gotten a better, become a better place. Um, and then the first uh, talks of COVID happened. And then um, all of a sudden, um, the numbers were coming in and um, Europe was going into lockdown. And this is also what happened for us. And we had to, from one day to the next, completely turn around in terms of administration um, about the, the processes, the working together. But the biggest thing, um, we live from um, making people connect. We, make, we live from making people meet each other. And this was all of a sudden not possible anymore. So the part and parcel of, of our 
um, of our work was not possible. So we had to switch very rapidly to electronic format. Luckily, um, internally, we had um, already switched our administration mostly to um, electronic format. We had no problem in meeting us every day, but meet, um, keeping it up, getting together every day now in an electronic form, um, getting up and making people meet in an electronic form, coming up with new concepts and ideas how to promote our messages. This was extremely, extremely challenging. And thanks to my dear colleagues, but also to our members, this worked surprisingly well. So as I said earlier, we didn't um, start um, twiddling our thumbs, but we actually went forward and created new formats, like on the agenda. We had uh, Liberties and Lockdown. We have our new Thought Bite series, everything online and digital. Um, so this made us be more agile. And as we are a young organization, I think we had the stamina to actually be agile in this very moment. And um, moving now to you, Elena, and you were just mentioning when you first um, introduced yourself, the difficulty, the challenges for communication. Go a little bit into that then. Well, this is uh, this is a job, a communicator job that 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 you you really need to build relationships to to convince people, uh, to convince opinion makers, influencers, take in an idea and diffuse it. And this is this is something that becomes much more difficult when the only way to come in contact with people is through a screen. We all know that that trust is kind of the hardest currency to. Uh, to have um, has the biggest value and creating those relationships um, in an otherwise uh, very buzzing environment that that Brussels offers but I'm sure that that, that applies to every every center of and every working environment and network um, makes the whole functioning of the ecosystem far more challenging but I must say that people are adjusting we're completely adaptable um, as a species but also as professionals and and we just really look forward to go for for a coffee, I must say. that <laughs> <laughs> I think that people are just really looking forward to combine business with a glass of, you know, a glass of, of, of wine or coffee so that they can, uh, yeah, become human again. You know, we're just looking forward to that moment. Oh, it's coming. It's coming. All right. And now, Anastasia, you are in charge of strategy for the European Liberal Forum and also membership manager. But focusing a little bit on, on that, what was the biggest challenge for you then to deal with your position and all this uh, change in the setting that we had? Well, I, I think the ch challenge was very big. Huh? And uh, frankly, I remember even this day of our last physical event, which was the 9th of March before we went all into lockdown, which for me became a very, or I had a very defining conversation with one of our members. Um, where it started to be announced that, you know, a lot of countries will start closing down and what should we do? And we were like, okay, so one of the, let's say, strategic options that we have and that we should start working on more is on publications. Um, and going back to that conversation and looking at now at all the new formats that we developed in this year, like, you know, all the videos, all the, uh, say we're now working on the audiobook, we're working on the card game. This is the plethora of these new formats and initiatives that we developed while being back on the 9th of March only with publications. And this was the most 
I think, strategically important challenge that we had to reinvent ourselves and to indeed what Daniel mentioned before, right? To, to adapt, to become agile and not just being, ah, okay, doesn't work, so we'll just wait till everything, you know, will reopen again. Good luck with that, guys, as we learned, right? We were talking about doing all this work at home or having like very sparse meetings with all the social distancing needed. And then you were talking about Madrid, we're talking about Rome when we have the European um, Liberal Forum uh, General Assembly. But tell us then how it is to experience a city like Brussels, which is all always teeming with excitement people and meetings and conferences and then all of a sudden boom everyone has to be home and especially in in belgium that suffered so much so much with the with the pandemic so daniel let's go to you how was it to live in a ghost city where normally you would have the opposite well horrible <laughs> um and i mean let, let's be let's be quite quite frank about one thing everyone i know who's not belgian move to Brussels for work. And that is the core that everything revolves around. Um, most of your friends um, are in the field of politics or business somehow. Um, and you, you see them on more or less a regular basis. So you go out, you have a coffee, you go through the European Parliament, um, meet your friends, your, your acquaintances and, and your contacts there. While you are there, you are stumbling upon someone hey, we haven't seen each other for a while. And, and there is a natural way how these contacts develop um, and how these contacts are kept alive. And this is something that you don't have anymore. And you have, and I have again, virtually to say that Brussels is not the sunniest place uh, in, in Europe. Um, not like, like Lisbon or, or, or Greece. Um, but to have a city that is in lockdown while there is this constant bad weather and that is um, affecting your mood. This is affecting also yeah, your, your, your personal and, and mental well-being, not being able to communicate, which we all are not only doing as, as human beings, but also as our profession and passion. This is something that is very, very dire. And, and then seeing how things are not working, how little the cooperation between um, individual European countries work. I have to um, go back to, to, to Germany where I'm originally from on a fairly regular basis and especially at the beginning, having border controls again, yeah. it was absolutely surreal. So not only being confined in your own space, having the empty streets in Brussels, I mean, seeing the busiest streets in Brussels being completely empty in, in what is usually the rush hour, um, this was, I cannot describe it differently than saying surreal, like, like a zombie movie of sorts, um, or being back uh, in, in, the, in the early early 90s with the border controls. The older amongst the members might still remember that. I have to say, I don't appreciate that much, and I'm very happy if I'm back to my old show. <laughs> Elena, uh, we are as proud Southerners, and uh, Daniel was making this provocation about the sun and the warmth. Particularly, you, a uh, transplant from uh, lovely uh, Greece to Brussels, how was it for you? I mean, I cannot agree more with with Daniel. We all moved to Brussels because of what is happening 
there and and the social aspect of it is so important there's even a calendar uh, around which uh, brussels revolves uh, it's a mix between social events cultural events and and just this constant what we call networking which is really just human relations happening with a, uh, an affinity to work as well because we more or less all have the same the same job in the in the bubble as we call it uh, and we just miss that so much. Um, and apart from that, a lot of people, what we what we don't consider so much about Brussels is that it's a city of, a part of it is a city of professionals who tend to be single or living alone. And, and, and they had to deal with a lot of isolation, a lot of solitude during this time, because working from home doesn't mean the same thing to everyone. Not everyone has the same uh, flat size. Not everyone has the same... Um, comfort to work from home and and how then these people would be able to to go back with with all these different test protocols um, different policies at work so there is this aspect also of of mental health um, which has been extremely important um, and and I think that now it's becoming more structured in organizations uh, where people are allowed to work from home, get a little bit of sun, see a bit their family, and you know, just being able to continue until we're uh, sorted with this situation. That's a great point about the one with mental health. That's uh, thank you for bringing that up, and we hope that as we get out of this pandemic that people can recover that joy of living that you were saying and now anastasia and for our listeners that don't know anastasia Prevedna, she has this luminous smile she has this very very expressive uh, green eyes so uh, anastasia for you in particular for what i know from you you are a person that likes to be around other people and talk and 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 be funny so how was it for you to have this uh, this period in your life? Yeah, so, so knowing me then that well, and thank you, Ricardo, for kind words, I think you can imagine that my answer is horrible. <laughs> I think personally it was uh, at the beginning, especially when you're kind of adapting and getting used to the fact that you need to stay at home, you have to stay at home, and Zoom is your best friend. Um, that, that was not an easy experience. Although what I must say, frankly, professional and being in Brussels for almost five years by now, it did help a bit because, um, you know, even with networking, it did help to, let's say, strengthen already existing relationship that we had with partners, maybe with policymakers and in general stakeholders with our members uh, based here because people kind of were not that much in a rush because you know, it would not be just high, but actually people might stay longer in Zoom than they would stay in, in general. So I found that uh, with the existing contacts and partners, that was much easier. But yeah, I can well imagine what Lena was talking before, right? If you were maybe an intern or a trainee or very young professional coming to Brussels to, to feel the past, to build your network, to build your career here, to build your partnerships, that was an empty bubble that was just an empty bubble and uh, yeah let's hope that uh, we'll be done with it soon and be back to a bit more normal situation or what we deem normal we we did a lot as well and you work with what you have so 
<laughs> you play with the cards you have been dealt, huh? <laughs> I would like to add to my top moment of the year, the, doing uh, two series of podcasts uh, at the same time, which was our podcast, Liberal Europe Podcast, and the other one, the spin-off in lockdown that, for example, Daniel referred to. That was a challenge, but it was great fun. Now, let's go nuts. And this is a request from Anastasia, so I'm going to stay with you. Because we're also political animals, we work in, well, you guys work with the European Legal Forum, I cooperate with, but we also pay attention to politics. So tell me, apart from all the craziness, Anastasia, all the craziness that we had, what was the moment that made you go nuts in the political uh, realm? If I may, I would like to um, stay with the part of animals rather than with the part of politics, because politics always <laughs> make me nuts. So, you know, the list would be um, very, very long. So I would stick to animals part. And there I would tell you that actually my cat made me nuts this year a lot. <laughs> because uh, for very simple reason, right? We are all home and that's very nice. And you get to know people much better and, you know, the interior of their home and maybe their family and their pets and, you know, discover all this fun stuff. But my cat got a habit of jumping on my keyboard all the time. And somehow, I don't know how, uh, who trained him, but he always hits the mute button. So quite often I will be muted while not realizing that. And Oh my God, these moments of frustration. This is, you know, you can make this compilation of funny videos and my colleagues will <laughs> tell you more about that. But yeah, so that's my uh, nuts moment of the years of the year, probably. A moment, uh, that was... <laughs> well, Anastasia, we know how it is with cats. We're not their owners, they're our owners. So we have to do whatever they feel it's comfortable. <laughs> Moving to you now, Elena. Uh, what was the moment that made you go nuts? Well, first of all, I have to say that I consider Anastasia's cat as our extended um, uh, work uh, partner. Is I, I, I think like we need to have the cat also back to the office. Um, well, what made me go nuts was the constant change and 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 shift and update of the measures. So. We never knew for COVID-19, I mean, we never knew in Belgium, and I, I imagine that's similar in other places as well, but in Belgium that made me crazy. We never knew what we were supposed to do, uh, if we were supposed to be one person plus one person or two people, or should we cuddle that one person or just speak to them outside of the window. And, and then every day this confusion of ch constantly changing measures was really 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 hard to to understand and to and to keep up with um and i just wish there was some kind of protocol amongst countries where where policymakers could tell us what to do and not change their mind every week <laughs> <laughs> understandably so daniel uh, and for people who know daniel personally and for our listeners that don't have the opportunity to know us a little more on that particular. I find it hard that there's someone that made you go nuts. <laughs> the way you are always very calm, very collected. So how nuts did you get nuts during this period? Um, it depends um, if you're talking about the political or the pro professional side. Um, indeed, like, like uh, my dear two colleagues have already said, there are this uh, uncertainty 
made me crazy. And um, I'm a liberal. I don't really like to be told what to do. Um, and being told where I can go, um, who I can see or who I cannot see, and not being able to, to see dear relatives of mine, especially the older ones uh, who are approaching 90 years and plus of age, um, uh, also on their birthday, I, I think that, that made not only me go nuts, and also as a father, um, being every day in the home office and then um, tending to my kid on the one hand and trying to keep the, the work afloat, that's also something that makes you, makes you nuts indeed. But um, from a political level, I, I think what makes me go nuts the most was that 2020 was the um, big year of WTF. Um, because this like, is something careful, I could... Careful, careful. This is a family podcast. So That's why I use the abbreviation. <laughs> I, can, I can spell it uh, to you later in the chat what I mean by that. No, but um, all kidding aside, um, this um, constant... Change, political changes on the one hand, and the, at the, at the um, these big blocks of political information on the other, that made it very difficult and made me indeed go nuts. And, uh, and I'm not only talking about the, the Green Deal that we've been talking about, about the European Recovery Fund that we've been talking about, but also one of my biggest WTF moments was Euro US elections. Um, not necessarily how it unfolded, but how much Europeans know about who says something um, and what the voting uh, mechanisms in Iowa or so are. And when I ask them about the European elections, they have a big question mark over their head. So um, this is, I, I still don't get it. And that made me go nuts. And this actually also reinforced my belief that our work as European Liberal Forum as a communicator, not only of liberal, but also especially of European ideas and values is so ever crucial. And that's why we need to keep on doing what we're doing and indeed find new ways of transporting those messages. So I don't have to go nuts about it in the future when in a couple of years again, there is a UN, US election and um, um, President Kamala Harris is up for re-election. Um, and um, I have to explain again um, why I think it's more important to know um, the European voting mechanisms instead of the Americans from our European perspective. That's a great point and we should do that work as collectively and individually to know more about the European Union um, voting needs and processes and results. But I must say, Daniel, that I myself, I already know all the counties in Pennsylvania, and I also know the name of the people in the certification board in Michigan. So you're, you're talking to me there, buddy. Good for you. <laughs> and my uh, crazy go nuts moment and piggyback on Daniel just said, mine is a three and a half year old and has to do with Donald Trump. And leading to the uh, U.S. presidential elections, I was going nuts in more than one way. And I'm still in until January, I think. We are all are, but fortunately, the result was a positive one for not only Americans, but also for us Europeans. So as we go to the end of our conversation, I'm going to go with ending on a positive note, on an upbeat note in this really, really strange and, in a way, uh, painful year 
what is the wishes, the Christmas wishes that the Santa Claus will bring down the chimney for 2001? And I'm going to start with you, Anastasia. <laughs> I can have a very, very long uh, list. Well, we okay, still have I'll like 10 to... <laughs> minutes if you want to go into a little bit. Yeah, no, I still my colleagues need to go, but you know, we'll be modest today. But um, on a serious note, no, actually, um, uh, you know, there, there is this um, quote, quote by a very wise person that I always try to remember in my day-to-day -day life about that life is not about waiting for the storm to pass. It's about learning to dance in the rain. And I think um, we all as individuals and ELF as organization has learned to dance in the rain. Um, but my wish in 2021 would be that we continue to dance even if the rain stops. And let me explain. Eh? <laughs> what I mean is that out of necessity and very unpleasant necessity, we've discovered so many ways of exchanging and developing ourselves, developing our ideas, spreading liberal ideas, um, that I hope that we'll continue to use those ways, even if they are not longer a necessity per se. Um, yeah, when we have COVID-19 under control, I hope that we'll continue to dance by building on all the ideas and initiatives that we had and building a better liberal future for all of us. This is a tremendous uh, sentence that you just said. Not waiting for the storm to go away, but to learn how to dance in the rain. That is fantastic. You just made my day. And uh, Elena, regarding communication, can you do a little better than this? Is there like a <laughs> sentence in communication that you have also as a life motto? Well, I, I'm not sure I can top that, so <laughs> I, will, I, will, I will avoid it. But I agree with Anastasia and I must say that, that this, this flexibility and adaptability and the things we learned I'm sure we we wouldn't even have imagined that that we would go on the way we did work so hard, you know, many times twice as much as 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 we we would otherwise to make sure that that things keep moving that that the, our mission our vision is moving forward and keeps inspiring people because this is a moment that that when people have time and they're thinking and they need to think about their freedoms and their liberties. Um, and I must say that my wish, apart from, you know, the big wish of, of health and having the ones we love um, healthy and happy, is, is really having these little moments of freedom, being able to go for a walk without, without a mask or without looking at the, at the watch or without counting the people that we're meeting or sending text messages, because here in Greece you have to send a text message before you go out. Um, these are the moments that I, I just wish to, to have back and I will appreciate so much more. Also being in crowded places, I thought I hated those, but I, I really <laughs> miss them. And, and just having a, a chat with my colleagues over the coffee machine where we all know that although all of the brilliant ideas happen, this is where I really hope to, this is what I really hope to see in, in the year to come. and my Christmas wish will be that. That was also a lovely, lovely take home message. And before I give Daniel the final word for me, very quickly, uh, 2020 was a weird year because all that we experienced, but on the same time, it went so fast. We're already at the end of the year and at, 
at the end of one more year of the Liberal Europe podcast, which has been a privilege and a pleasure to do. I hope the mass vaccination goes well. And um, then somewhere in the next, you know, semester, then I could go back to Brussels and be with you guys, which is, as we said often in this conversation, it is so important. Daniel, you are the man, the legend. Tell us, how is 2021 for you the best wish that you can have? Well, I have three things in my bag for next year that I really would like to unwrap. Um, one is personal, and that is health. For, for us, for our colleagues, for everyone around there who is listening and not listening, that you are healthy, that you get to see your loved ones again. Because this is something I think has been so underappreciated. Again, we have taken so much for granted how we, we get to see our, our family, our friends, our loved ones. And not being able to do so has been very painful, but also I hope sobering in terms of taking things for granted. Professionally, I just want to see my colleagues again and like Elena said, meet them over the over the coffee machine and just have a quick chat. But for 2021, I really want to implement all those great ideas for next year that we have and inject them with this innovative spirit that has been evoked in us in 2020 due to the force of the circumstances. And the third thing is for the EU to finally grow up and next year, not only after finally this year um, having this Magnitsky Act that, that finally came through, also being able to, to implement the rule of law mechanism and finally grow where it needs to be, utilizing the conference on the future of Europe to finally um, identify a direction and the necessary tools and actions to get there. So this is my biggest, biggest wish for the, for Europe for next year, that you will overcome our difficulties and finally utilize the concepts on the future of Europe to identify where we are going, so we're not running directionlessly um, in the future, but we actually have a clear path ahead, which I think will help a great deal with the challenges that we have, especially with two countries at the moment that are blocking the way forward. Well, I'm going to stop it for now. This was a little bit of a Christmas gift for our listeners. I'm going to thank you so much, Daniel Kadek, Anastasia Pervedna, and Elina Baltazi for being on the podcast with me. But we can't say goodbye without wishing you a Merry Christmas. So three, two, one. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, everyone. I'm back just to remind you that you can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher and Spotify. And if you like it, give us a five star review. In that way, you can help us spread even more liberal values and ideas. The Liberal Europe podcast is organized by the European Liberal Forum with the support of Movimento Liberal Social in Portugal. This podcast is co-founded by the European Parliament. And the European Parliament is not responsible for the contents of this podcast or any news that may be made of it. The views expressed on this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of the European Parliament and or the European Liberal Forum.